Happy Monday. Happy Monday. Welcome in. We're your hosts of the Security Token Show. I'm Herwig Konings, joined as always by my co-founder, Kyle Solon. How you doing today, buddy? Hey, everybody. It's good to be back. Happy to be here. Well, it's episode 222, 222. That's four and a half years of coverage, and we've got another week of headlines for you. So with that, let's just dive right into the Token Debrief. And as always, we've got our guest contributor, which recurring this time around, as always, has been Jason Barraza from the STM team. Welcome in. Thank you. Thank you. Excited to be here. Another week of news to cover. Herbert, by the way, nice sweater you got going on there. Thank you. Thank you. This actually happens to be our limited edition VIP quarter zip that you uh, were able to get if you were a VIP ticket holder for Tokenize This 2023. Look out for some exciting news about this upcoming Tokenize This in 2024 right around the corner. But that's not what we've got on the docket today, if you will. I want to start it off, guys, with a big announcement from our very own security token group, the parent company, what Kyle and I founded. We, we have a couple of different subsidiaries, specifically one of them, Security Token Advisors, has partnered up with uh, another company called Blue Water, uh, which is a fintech company that's owned by Voxter, and they're one of the leaders in technology when it comes to supporting mortgage assets, mortgage servicing rights. They support originators. They've built their entire ecosystem. It's fairly impressive, but what it's missing is easy access uh, to those assets. And so we're helping them identify the right partners, the right structure, make sure that everything from the strategy and execution uh, is looking good. So we're excited to help them come to market. I'm sure we'll have some announcements on that very soon. But uh, this is great news. We're starting to see, uh, again, another major real estate player here uh, leveraging tokenization. Very cool, guys. Awesome, awesome to see that. We, look, the uh, mortgage servicing rights area is pretty big, and we know that you know Blue Waters in particular has a pretty good hold of it. So excited to see its partnership specifically with STA. STM will also have a role as well on the media and data perspective. So we're excited to get involved on that end as well. Absolutely. And keeping that tone of partnerships, we have Ondo Finance, who has been on a roll, bringing in a lot of different providers into their ecosystem directory. This is a list of institutions and protocols and networks that are aligned with their mission of bringing institutional grade on-chain products to market. And so this directory was really trying to allow you to easily look through and search through a lot of the different liquidity providers, custodians, and other essential on-chain services. And this includes Wintermute, which is here to strengthen the multi-chain liquidity of Ondo's US dollar yield token, which they have the ticker USDY. We have Pith Network, which is extending the Ondo asset price feeds across numerous blockchains, kind of like a chain link style of service. You have Pendle, which is doing yield swaps and types of debt style of instruments as well. That's also offering composability for tokenized cash equivalents. There's Racker, R-A-K-K-A-R, digital, that's offering token holders in the Ondo ecosystem an additional secure and transparent financial solution for custody of those assets. And Nonco, which is another liquidity provider across the interest-bearing stablecoin alternatives. This is just the newest set of partnerships. They have a lot of other ones as well that they have included in this partnership and, and in this network, including some of the big players like Coinbase and others. So major shout out to Ondo for all the developments there. Wow. 
That is a lot of news just from one company. It's it's something to see, you know, every couple of weeks, a, a new integration. But this is a lot of new partnerships there. Obviously, their directory is a really great resource. Uh, Ondo's token themselves, you know, which also helps them tie into that, that crypto angle. Uh, I believe that token surpassed over a billion recently, right? So a lot of great things going on for Ondo Finance. Very happy to see all that, Kyle. Absolutely. Really cool to see again, more people adding more utility, more function for security tokens. So great to see this ecosystem growing. Awesome job, Ondo. And next up on the docket here, we have Labour Party. They are the opposition to the current Conservative Party in the UK. And they are really going for security tokens to be, uh, you know, a, a huge effort in the UK um, if they were to win. We have an election coming up this year, most likely in the second half. And they released as a party the financial uh, financing growth, excuse me, uh, document. It's a 28 page document uh, led by Rachel Reeves, uh, the shadow chancellor, as well as Tulip Siddick, the shadow economic secretary of the Treasury, basically outlining the party's plans for how they want to make the UK a central hub for tokenization, as well as their support for the Bank of England and their CBDC uh, trials and whatnot. So they want a further development uh, of the sandboxes, which we know the UK is launching theirs, well, not, not this month, this past month in January, um, as well as more bonds. They want to work with financial centers for interoperability, making sure that everyone is on digital rails. So a lot of uh, cool stuff happening here. Uh, and so excited for the future of the UK. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it just continues to show you that the UK has kind of, you know, we, we saw a lot of movement here and there over the past year, especially Archax leading the way, but not too much else, LSEG and a few others. And then just like that, in the last 18 months, uh, it seems like the UK has gone 120% all in on tokenization. We saw Calstone also uh, do some big things. We just see all of these big announcements from the, the Investment Association and such. Uh, I, I'm expecting to see a lot of fun tokenization coming out of the UK this year, guys. Yeah, it certainly helps that they have that MICA framework as well that kind of outlines how we should be doing offerings in a compliant way, how to accept cryptocurrency as payments. Having more regulatory clarity certainly helps in bringing the institutional players to market. Well, and staying on brand in Europe, guys, we also saw the European Securities and Markets Authority, that's the ESMA, uh, they released a report themselves that actually, interestingly enough, doesn't necessarily focus on tokenization, but recognizes huge liquidity risks and concerns, specifically in the real estate funds market amid declining transaction volumes and, uh, you know, prices going down in several different areas. So they're concerned that there are liquidity mismatches. Uh, and that there is of significant concern specifically for open-ended real estate funds that offer daily liquidity. Uh, and they say that they released this report, of course, because they're concerned that this could be a systemic risk uh, for the real estate area. Specifically, what caught my eye, I said the overall size of the AIF sector decreased by 3% to 6.8 trillion euros uh, in 2022, which represented a 36% of the entire EU fund industry. Uh, so that is definitely a, a very sizable amount. Uh, but what experts are weighing in and saying is like, hello, this is where tokenization comes in uh, and fixes a lot of these problems and hopefully can be a solution for that. Uh, specifically how they're trying to address that, I'm not sure. This will obviously require, in my opinion, a, a huge overhaul of obviously the existing infrastructure behind uh, this sector 
in Europe, but naturally, as we just heard in the UK and as we're hearing all around Europe and around the world, fund tokenization is the future. Uh, and so I would imagine that this will help in the long run, uh, though addressing this in the short term may be a bit uh, unrealistic in my opinion. Yeah, um, look, 3% is a significant amount when you're talking about trillions of euros in this case. So um, not not a small, uh, by any means, you know, statistic that, that they have going on. Um, you know, real estate in general, we all know, is a very illiquid market. Um, this obviously focuses on funds themselves, which are supposed to help stimulate some of that liquidity. Uh, but nonetheless, tokenization sounds like an additional enhancer. So excited to see where this goes um, eventually. But, you know, again, people are trying to keep it real in terms of noticing, you know, what are the faults in the current archaic system of you know financial capital markets? Totally agree. Totally agree. I think that those are solid points. And and to, to keep it on this point of, of liquidity issues or larger institutions that are, are trying to identify some of the potential pain points or roadblocks that we still need to solve, Jan Van Eck, the CEO of, of Van Eck, one of the largest asset managers, big, big institutional groups, highlighted some liquidity and regulatory concerns as well as the two major obstacles to driving the adoption of tokenized real-world assets. Particularly on the liquidity side, he questioned who is actually going to be providing the market for these assets and how market makers can actually profit from these processes. And I think this is an interesting perspective on the liquidity front, um, from my perspective, who is, I think, less of a question than how at this point. I think it's pretty clear that traditional market makers or asset managers are would see potential value in making these markets, provided that they had the tools required to hedge their particular exposure. So you have a lot of these underwriters, you have a lot of these players that are providing potentially some underlying investment. If you can then hedge that that opportunity, there are huge spreads in these illiquid markets. If you see some value in the underlying asset, there's no reason why you wouldn't want to provide a 90% discount price floor to an asset because that's just essentially free assets provided that you actually trust your own diligence. So I, I don't think the question is who's going to buy, but the tools and, and how they're going to be able to make that happen, I think is probably the bigger question. Certainly, I think he maybe was implying to the fact that these are not incredibly liquid right now, but that would just mean that the spreads would be wider. That also just potentially means that the discount you'd be providing is heavier. But those are all, in my perspective, just parameters that you'd be adjusting for rather than than pricing out or, 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 or removing those particular players. Uh, on the other side, he does make a pretty good point that the U.S. doesn't have the regulatory clarity that we've seen from other jurisdictions. This shouldn't come as a surprise. The U.S. rarely has been necessarily a leader in the certainly in the blockchain space with respect to its regulations. And that certainly would help in driving adoption here. But there are U.S. based products and guidelines that are coming to market already. So I think that that some of these things are are frustrating, but will be resolved over time. I think those are very, very valid points, Kyle. Uh, I, I think it's easy to say that obviously liquidity is a problem. We know it more than all uh, as we report the data that you know this isn't exactly as liquid as crypto or public stock markets. Uh, but the reality is, is market makers will come. I, I agree that the opportunity is there. I actually think the technology makes it easier 
for them to participate in this market, as well as for them to actually be able to, uh, you know, make money, which is the most important part. So I don't think there's enough assets. I think the market has been just slightly too immature to invite some of the bigger market makers and players in the industry to really take a look at this. But now that you're seeing, you know, real funds coming to market, you see a lot of real estate assets getting tokenized. These things have appraisals. These things have NAV values. These things should be market makeable, if you will, if that's a, a term, right? So there is absolutely, to me, no doubt about it that at least in terms of uh, those, those two problems, the liquidity one, that one can be solved for, is being solved for, will be solved. Um, but the regulatory, of course, that one's a little bit more of a challenge to overcome. I'm hoping that internationally, as we see with the MICA framework and as we see more international arbitrage, if you will, uh, between markets, the U.S. will be forced to catch up uh, and change its regulatory standards to, to you know, conform, if you will, or uh, be able to adopt for tokenization. But it hasn't stopped us from, you know, where the market's gotten to today. So, it's, you know, we're going to keep on marching forward. Yeah, 100%. I mean, you guys, you know, hit the nail on the head there. Um, you know, especially we've seen like to you guys point, you know, people are maybe not just ready for market makers, you know, depending on, you know, how many assets are available or what kind of assets. But as they grow, and we do know that even traditional market makers like DRW, a uh, huge trading giant, right, they even have or are already exploring digital assets through Cumberland, right? And that's they're doing it through Avalanche subnets. Um, we've seen this across other uh, giants as well. So, you know, people are getting ready. Maybe they're not executing just yet, but nonetheless, they are getting on those rails. Uh, but moving on to the next piece of news here, guys, we have personnel updates from both Partior and Oasis Pro. For those unfamiliar, Partior is uh, essentially the Singapore-based firm working on multi-currency blockchain payments network. Um, this is backed by JP Morgan, DBS Bank, Tomasic, and then Standard Chartered joined as well. Their CEO, Jason Thompson, is no longer there. Um, according to LinkedIn, there are no updates as to what his next venture is. However, he is still uh, part uh, of a, being a senior advisor at a VC firm called Open Space Ventures. So they're focusing on Series A pre-IPO investments, specifically in the crypto uh, space in Southeast Asia. But nonetheless, there are no updates on the uh, you know, on his next you know venture, if you will. Um, and so we'll have to see, you know, who's going to replace him over at Partior. And the second update we have from is from Oasis Pro. Uh, they just essentially acquired Alana Ackerson as their new president. Uh, Alana is a co-founder of Figure Technologies and Providence Blockchain. So she'll be serving as president at Oasis Pro, really spearheading their growth initiatives. Um, you know, quote from uh, the CEO at Oasis Pro, Pat Lavecchia. Her remarkable ability to attract top talent and forge strategic partnerships is a cornerstone of her leadership style. Alana's appointment significantly strengthens our position as an institutional partner in global infrastructure for digital securities and real world assets. Uh, we're all familiar with Figure, Providence, and what they've been doing over the past couple of years. Um, so no doubt that Alana will bring a lot of value to Oasis Pro as well. Absolutely. That's a big get for OPM and, and excited to see how she helps transform the business and help them grow. I know I know all those companies have a great relationship with each other, you know, Providence being the blockchain foundation and support, you know, the protocol behind a lot of these uh, assets, uh, as well as, you know, Oasis Pro uh, working with um, the Project Guardian deal and then Figure, of course, being an extension uh, of really actually 
uh, of providence of sorts. They're obviously separate. They've set that up and structured it that way. Uh, so very interesting to see. I, I think that's going to lead to only a lot of good things, a really great acquisition. I agree, Kyle. Uh, last bit of news that I have for everybody here for the token debrief is actually from Token Bridge. Uh, token Bridge announced a, a big new deal uh, where they're essentially enabling new model portfolio solutions. What does that mean? These new features, they support construction, distribution, and valuation of tokenized model portfolios. Uh, they're saying that there is an improved connectivity uh, between tokenized and untokenized funds and securities. And I thought this was untokenized. Actually, yeah, untokenized. <laughs> uh, as I like to call these, these are the hybrid platforms that enable you where investors, they say, you know, some people don't want a token. And so they're like, hey, if you're doing an offering and you want to raise money and you got some of it coming in token form and some of it traditionally, you may still and many issuers do want to support those traditional issuers. Seems like the, this platform with Token Bridge has made it very easy to support untokenized and tokenized uh, at the same time. And they say they achieved this by, quote, automating the acquisition of fund tokens and untokenized units to match the composition of their desired customized model portfolio. Uh, and of course, this is designed for institutions and distributors, they say, you know, again, be, between that connectivity between the model portfolio providers who do a lot of that actual work of, of putting it together, the distributors and their clients who are, are, you know, the clients looking for these types of portfolios, they might find it through an RIA or other types of distributors. Uh, and of course, there's this mechanism, thanks to it, uh, their, their technology for constant portfolio evaluation, this idea of daily nav and all these other things coming to the table thanks to this technology. Uh, which is, of course, a great benefit for investors uh, to be able to take advantage of this, whether they want it tokenized or not. This sounds like they got a lot of personalization thanks to this, which makes a lot of sense, uh, of course, because of the ease of access to all these different types of products they can bring together to, to you know, make a nice portfolio composition. So love to hear all of this uh, news. I've been a big fan of Token Bridge ever since I met them last year. Uh, I think this is a great announcement, guys. What do you think? 100% awesome. I mean, I love the wealth management space, but I also know how tough it, it can be in terms of, you know, again, rebalancing portfolios, getting alternatives into those portfolios if they're of desire, um, you know, given that they're on separate rails. And so, you know, all of this makes total sense for Token Bridge to be leading on. Um, and again, the hyper personalization point, it makes uh, absolute sense to, to harp on, guys. I mean, like, look, tokenizing any asset creates some of that easier access, but now being able to, um, you know, rebalance portfolios with that is a whole other uh, level. And we saw this being proven late last year, again, with uh, with uh, Apollo and JP Morgan and them reducing their 100,000 uh, portfolios. It, you know, it takes 3,000-ish steps to rebalance those 100,000 portfolios into a few clicks of a button, guys. And that's across different blockchains, across different um, asset classes, across different issuers. And so great to see that token bridge as well as, you know, following these footsteps and leading the charge there. I, I, I totally agree, Jason. And, and just to throw a point in there, I think that it's interesting that they are putting a lot of focus on making the transition from a tokenized and a non-tokenized investment and, and trying to make that as smooth as possible, because that may be the real driver of adoption of tokenized assets is by allowing investors to, to participate in a more traditional style of asset and then convert into 
whenever they feel more comfortable doing that and as the market continues to develop, right? So by almost limiting the float of circulating supply of the tokenized asset, you can more effectively build a liquid environment because there's less supply in the market. And then over time, gradually, some of those investors will continue to convert, which I actually think may be able to focus that liquidity a little bit more and, and potentially provides a more realistic environment for some level of secondary market activity. Absolutely. Absolutely, guys. Well, that's the token debrief for the week, guys. Next up, we have an interview with uh, Diamond Lake Minerals, uh, Brian J. Esposito. So join us for that in the next segment of the show. Well, welcome to another Security Token Show interview. This week, we have Brian J. Esposito from Diamond Lake Minerals joining us. Uh, Brian, how are you this morning? Doing well, Jason. How are you, pal? Doing great. Doing great. Can't complain. Uh, you know, we're covering a lot of news, and part of what came across the desk here is the fact that you are taking over DLMI, or you've been at it for a while now. Um, and more importantly, I guess, in terms of you know what our viewers are seeing is you know, you're starting to implement tokenization across um, different business units, subsidiaries. So tell us a little bit about what DLMI is um, and what your role is right now and what you guys are trying to accomplish. Absolutely, Jason. Thanks again for having me on. I really appreciate the opportunity. So in August of 2023, I was honored to take over DLMI or Diamond Lake Minerals as CEO. And what we're building is replicating what I've done in my private career in Esposito Intellectual Holdings, which I've been actively running for 20 plus years as CEO and founder. And it's acquiring, building and starting companies across all different industries. So replicating my experience in that in the public markets with DLMI, the structure which I am creating here now is an old General Electric type of conglomerate. You have a parent umbrella, which is DLMI, or our, our uh, public security. And then underneath it are subsidiaries across multiple different industries. So an industry agnostic approach with companies that we acquire, start, um, uh, merge with, or, or bring into our, our, our ecosystem. Now, that model's been done before, again, like General Electric, and nurturing these businesses, getting them to thrive, getting them to complete profitability, sharing those earnings with our shareholders is what we intend to do as we continue to grow this company. Where it gets really interesting is my experience, and Jason, I've spoken with you and your team over the many years of what we've done with security tokens in the past and with partners like INX. So with that, uh, under our, our, our know-how and the support that we have from INX, all of these different business units or these subsidiaries will have security token offerings attached to them. And that's where it gets really interesting. And we believe we've created the hybrid uh, traditional security in the U.S. markets where people can buy our stock if they want to be in digital assets. They can be part of what we're doing. And then on a global uh, perspective, we can open up our business units to global investors to opportunities and businesses that they never had access to before. Makes sense to me. Yeah. So basically, they have a couple different options inside of your ecosystem here, right? You have, just to summarize, the subsidiaries, individual opportunities as they start tokenizing um, versus also just DLMI and essentially getting a piece of the, the whole pie, if you will, of, of where you're working on. Um, and it's funny that you mentioned uh, the timeline here, August, because I was looking at the um, at OTC markets activity for DLMI. Noticed that for the first half of the year, 2023, we uh, saw anywhere from 35 to 60 cents uh, on the share price. But all of a sudden, it started you know, growing, and we we're seeing it now at over five dollars. So you know, I'm sure part of it is correlated to your time taking over. But tell us a bit more about what you've been doing, you know, in that second half of 2023 and what you're looking to accomplish in 2024. 
Yeah, a lot of it is the great uh, support we're getting from the markets on our strategy, our story. Uh, if you look at also during the last four months, the iconic advisors that have joined DLMI to support our vision and you know, me taking this over as CEO. So we've really been building a lot of education on the market, speaking on wonderful platforms like yours on telling our story who we are, what we intend to do. And, and obviously the positivity and the interest is, is really humbling to see our share price appreciate, to see our market value appreciate. Uh, and that's wonderful thing to see. It's great to get that type of support. It really built some good momentum behind us and our team and our strategies. Going into 2024, we, uh, my job is to protect our shareholders and to bring value, boost our balance sheets. And uh, my goal and excitement is to turn on opportunities with these businesses that will be underneath our parent that we are nurturing, bringing those revenues and assets to our balance sheet. And I really can't wait to the moment where we can turn on dividend distributions to our shareholders. We've got some great loyal ones. And then being able to open up security tokens to our global investors and to be able to attach rewards to those holders is what we're really looking forward to doing in 2024. And uh, our uh, again, our experience, our partnerships and our support should allow us to be able to actively accomplish that. And we are all working very hardly to be able to provide that opportunity and value to our shareholders and future security token holders. Very nice. Very nice. And so very thorough answer there. Can you um, maybe shine some light on any specific projects or specific um, ventures you have going on here to just give us a better idea of you know, what we could expect to see come market? Uh, well, what we can share, again, as a public company, we put out into the market. We're very active on our socials, so LinkedIn and Twitter and all the remaining, uh, well, X, I keep calling it Twitter, um, <laughs> Instagram, TikTok. We're very <laughs> Uh, so, you know, anybody that wants to be part of our story and uh, see what we're up to, please, we're very active and we're very engaging with, with those platforms. <laughs> A lot of our strategy is ensuring we're working with regulatory for obviously the work that we're doing. You know, we don't, we're not a crypto company. We're not a token or NFT company. We are a security token supported ecosystem in our business unit. So a lot of our work is ensuring the proper licenses, the proper legal and accounting and compliance that's always around us and making sure that we're, we're operating uh, within the rules and regulations of the law, uh, which we respect and, and, and truly support. Uh, and, you know, doing that on a global scale, we've got some great opportunities that we're working with out of the UAE, which is very uh, open to this type of world. Be, you know, unfortunately, I think they're becoming the innovator in things like digital assets. They're very, uh, you know, a lot of companies and CEOs and very talented people are moving out there because of the government support. Uh, yep. So we definitely want to have a presence there and be part of that movement and the work that we're doing and the know-how that we have and great support and experiences that we have here at DLMI. Uh, we we want to be that global digital asset company that uh, shareholders can can have in, in their portfolio uh, when they're afraid to buy a crypto a digital asset or a crypto or they don't want a digital wallet or they're intimidated by all those friction points. You know, we make it very easy for them to be in that space and have a digital asset focused company in their portfolio. Uh, so, you know, for us, it's having the right technologies, the right profitability and really great support for the businesses that we've identified. And again, if you look at our advisors, you can start to see which industries we're probably going to be focused in on based upon their experience and how seasoned they are in those different industries. Uh, and that can give you some some idea of where we're actively looking to do work and where we're actively looking to bring earnings and, and great assets to our to our shareholders. 
Makes sense. You know, all that info is, uh, you know, available on the website as well. So we'll direct people to check it out. Um, it's funny, bring UAE. That's uh, that's something that I concur with. You know, we saw a lot of activity come last year um, in the digital asset space, as you mentioned, from a regulatory perspective, but also just issuances. We saw the Pearl get tokenized. Uh, where we saw Red Swan is tokenizing $4 billion worth of uh, real estate. So curious to see what you guys are going to bring to uh, the UAE area and, and bring to market. So, you know, we'll, we'll definitely keep an eye out for that, Brian. Um, if anyone's looking to work with or learn more about DLMI and what you're doing, where, where can they go to find more information? Yeah, diamondlakeminerals.com is our corporate website. Um, LinkedIn and all the uh, social medias is Diamond Lake Minerals. Uh, for myself, Brian J. Esposito, I'm very accessible to anybody that wishes to speak with me or potentially work with us. We're uh, honored to have so much inbound interest on the work that we're doing. And people are really connecting with our story from individual support all the way up to companies and even government support on watching our, our strategies and our and our vision here of what we're building. Uh, so please, anybody that has any interest, they want to learn more. And we're very active on our information, everything. We're very transparent. I tend to say if you want to be in this web three world and you want to be connected to the idea of that, then it's full transparency. That's, that's the whole concept of web three. Uh, so we want to be the leader in uh, showing people what businesses can look like in a blockchain environment and being fully transparent. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we, we hope this, we hope to raise the, the bar as a, how we believe future public companies are going to replicate our model of having, these types of regulated digital assets inside of their business models. And we're excited to be able to show the world how to do it, how to do it legally and correctly, and then ultimately how to hopefully provide value to our shareholders and security token holders. Yeah, look, it's a new technology. Everyone's uh, getting more and more used to it you know, every day. And so glad to see that there are people such as yourself making sure that public companies are getting more involved, being more comfortable using it and whatnot. So um, thank you for joining us, Brian. Uh, we will now be moving on to the next segment of the show. Thank you, Jason. Have a great day, pal. You too. All righty. What a great interview. Very cool stuff going over on there with uh, Diamond Lake Minerals. But now we've got to see what else is going on in the market. And I got a cool one to start off with, guys. Obligate. Once again, another issuance successfully done with Polytrade. Polytrade is actually a global tokenized real world asset marketplace. So this is sort of a two, two uh, part win for the security token industry here. Uh, specifically, the funding was secured through what they call their e-notes. Uh, so it's a blockchain-based uh, bond uh, that if you were on the Obligate platform, they use the Polygon POS network with all the proceeds being uh, done through Circle's USDC stablecoin. So this is all on-chain activity. It's truly beautiful to see. Very excited because, of course, this means that Polytrade can also Hopefully, they, they claim to already have powered over 6 million in transactions. So, uh, you know, I, I'm excited to actually learn more about Polytrade and see what's going on over there inside their marketplace. But all around, again, very excited to see more distribution happening, more deals getting done. And as I always like to say, everybody who knows who watches the show frequently, you got to love it when they eat their own cooking, drink their own champagne, you know, eat your own dog food. I, I absolutely love to see that around, uh, all around by all parties in this case. So very cool stuff. Congrats to everybody involved in that, in that process. That's on Polygon's proof of stake network. 
And moving into my article here, gentlemen, we have Super State. Super State launched a short duration U.S. government securities fund. So this is another short-term treasury yield style of product, as we talked about last week and over many weeks now. This is the new solution for rehypothecation that we saw from years prior, where some of these exchanges were giving you yield on their earned products. The SEC came out and said, that's a security. You're not allowed to do it. So what happened? A lot of these projects said, okay, fine, we'll launch a security. We'll launch a, a treasury products fund that pays you out in stable coins to allow for staking by investing in a short-term treasury product, which is great to see. So this product specifically is for qualified purchasers on the ETH blockchain in the US. The product here targets short duration US treasury debt notes and the management fee is only 0.15%, 15 basis points. So that's great to see. Nice. And as we talked about, it's ETH-based. It has an allow list, so this is not permissionless. As we've talked about with security tokens, you can't have a permissionless security. This is not that. We've seen this happening now on Ethereum. And there are some other pieces here that are interesting. They're working with Anchorage to for custodianship as well as BitGo to do a lot of the actual underlying asset holding. And Superstate is this new product it's, it, or company brought to market. Robert Leshner is in charge there in bringing this company to market. So they are bringing all kinds of tokenized products. They're starting with one of these yield stablecoin style of assets. So great to see another one of these products coming to market shows that there at least is some demand for these types of things coming to market. And uh, securities are beginning to intertwine with the DeFi native ecosystem. It's 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 like everybody's first uh, you know requirement that they launch a treasuries product or a stable <laughs> coin. I feel like that's how you get into the game. It's like show yourself to the world. Uh, and this is Superstate, who has you know been been known. They've raised some money in the past. Focus on this, so it's very exciting to see them come to to market with this product, the USTB. Definitely some cool, unique differentiators there that you highlighted, Kyle. So uh, yeah, welcome into the space. USTB. We'll be sure to to try to track that and get that live as soon as possible. Well, who can fault them, you know? Money markets and treasuries are easy to understand assets. So, you know, a great way to get your, uh, dip your toes in the water, if you will. But uh, nonetheless, you guys did mention this is a qualified purchasers only asset. Um, don't worry, retail, they are working on a retail friendly product. Um, also around treasuries, uh, but it will be an open-ended mutual fund. They've already filed a prospectus or a draft of it. Um, nice. So excited to see where that goes. That's cool. All righty. Well, moving on to the next piece of news here, we have Denari. They and Camelot have partnered up to launch a liquidity pool for uh, Coinbase D shares. Uh, essentially, what they're doing is you're wrapping those D shares on, and they're calling it Coin.wd. And so that's uh, for parties and people that are interested in both the TradFi world and the DeFi world. You're going to be able to contribute to the liquidity pool simply by depositing those wrapped Coinbase D shares, those Coin.DW, paired with USDC. And you'll be able to earn part of the fees generated by the trades uh, trades on the pair. We've had Denari in the past here on the show talking about how they tokenized yes Coinbase, but also all 10 of the approved spot Bitcoin ETFs. Uh, McDonald's, Yum Brands, and a few others. So really cool to see this specifically for non-U.S. investors, but nonetheless, really cool. 
I think this is awesome. I just want to really, really make sure people understand and break this down that basically what's happened here is Denari has, has teamed up with a DEX, right, to be able to say, okay, now you can take what they've already done is the ability to wrap Coinbase shares into a tokenized format, mm -hmm. uh, which of course enables a lot of cool features, one of which would be to be able to send it to a, a decentralized exchange and leverage a pair like this one with USDC, so you can actually get liquidity, uh, automated market making, and uh, uh, as finest, if you will, uh, which is one of those potential liquidity solutions uh, that we might see down the road, at least part of the whole equation, I think. So to see this happening now for a publicly traded company, if you will, so it happens to also be Coinbase, but it's done through Denari's wrapper on Camelot's decentralized exchange, uh, super using USDC. <laughs> I love it all. I love it all. The intersection of all these different pieces is finally coming together. They're finally all plugging in, having our on-ramps or off-ramps, our stablecoin conversions into DEXs, into tokenized products. It really is cool to see. Well, with that, that's what's happening in the market, folks. Uh, we'll be sure, of course. I'm already excited for what's next week. But now we're going to end our show with the Companies of the Week. Kyle, you know, the news week after news week, we get to choose an amazing company that we thought really just, in our opinion, really, really innovated, really put it out there, really moved the industry forward with what they did, what they announced. Uh, and so we get to honor them as our company of the week on the show, even puts them in running for company of the year. Congrats to Republic, who won in 2023. Kyle, I'm dying to know what you got this week. My winner this week is Obligate. Obligate successfully was able to bring the tokenized bond issuance from Polytrade to market. They're calling it the E-Note. And this is not only a debt product, but it's going to be dispersed using Circle's USDC stablecoins. So the dividends are paid out on chain. It's all programmatic. It's all transparent throughout the whole process, which is exactly what we're looking for from a tokenized instrument. The goal here is to really move into the Asian markets with this product and to capture that APAC interest. And I think that it really shows that they understand exactly what this looks like from Soup Nuts. They're launching it on Polygon, and they're really trying to focus on lending to, for small to medium enterprises and providing liquidity into that particular business class. So for all those reasons, I love the initiative. I love the mission, and I'm, I'm excited about the product. Love that they're also working with Polytrade, yet another kind of uh, little bonus for, for this whole thing. Uh, absolutely, Kyle. I think this is a beautiful example of uh, bond issuance and specifically in this case, a startup using that to raise capital uh, via tokenization. Very, very cool. How about you, Herwig? What do you got? Me, I got to just say it right out the gate. It's super state. Uh, I had my eye on them for a while since they announced themselves, if you will. Uh, and so to see them come to market, you always get to do a big analysis of, of, you know, how much thought went into this, who's involved, fantastic custodians, two of the leaders, Bitco and Anchorage. You know, they're working with NAV Consulting to get a daily NAV uh, for the product, which I think is awesome because they also have very low management fees, you know, seems very market. So for all of these reasons, I think, and then, and most uniquely, of course, I actually think it's on Ethereum, which uh, used to be the absolute, you know, trophy for all 
issuances in the early days. But now, of course, with the prevalence of Avalanche and, and Algorand and Tezos and Polygon and many other uh, very popular chains, uh, it's nice and refreshing to see somebody developing on Ethereum. They created that whitelist solution to make sure that it's permissioned. It could hint at possible trades uh, in different jurisdictions as a result of making a sort of permission environment. And as we heard from Jason earlier, they're planning on working on a retail product so they don't plan to leave the average person out of this equation uh, as they, of course, are now only available to qualified purchasers uh, with this product. But uh, for, for all those reasons, Kyle, I think they absolutely nailed their product, nailed their launch, excited to see the USTB in this space. Uh, so congratulations, Superstate. You're my company of the week. Shout out to Superstate. Awesome product. Totally new product coming to market and company to market and a high-powered crypto OG team to boot. So exciting stuff. And with that, Kyle, that's another week of the Security Token Show. Whoa. We'll, of course, be back again next Monday. We usually go live around 10 a.m. We're available on all platforms. Please help us out. If you liked what you heard, give us a share. Give us a like. Uh, make sure you subscribe, of course. Uh, and, of course, in the meantime, stm.co. Go check out all the latest and greatest what's happening in the market, all the trading data, all the news. We got you covered. New platform that's also out, Security Token Prime, completely free. You can check that out at securitytokenprime.com. But that's all I got for y'all. Uh, with that, happy tokenizing. Mm -hmm.